friends, you are listening to Whole and Free, a podcast serving you a heaping helping of encouraging truth to free your soul and make you whole. This is Kathy Schwanke, speaker, author, and encourager of the faithful, here to help you soar on the sturdy wings of truth and love. Well, I don't know about you. I'm guessing most people have this. Maybe not. Maybe my husband doesn't. (laughs) But I get thoughts in the middle of the night when I'm not sleeping because I'm working things out in my brain. That's what I like to call it. And I have no doubt that God would call it worry. And I know it's not pleasing to him. During the day, I've noticed that if worry imposes on my thought life, I can quickly turn it to prayer. In the middle of the dark of night, however, when I lay awake, not so much. I try, I really do. I try to turn my mind to prayer and trust, but my impulses seem stronger. The natural impulse of trying to figure out how to fix things, whatever it is that's keeping me awake, often I have to get up in order to actually pray because my mind gets stuck in that rut while I'm in my bed. If I'm too lazy to get up, sometimes I will open my phone and find something to read and can usually then go back to sleep. Well, good things come in the night too. I think I'm more sensitive to the voice of God there. So please don't hear me say that all my midnight mulling is sinful worrying. (laughs) Some of my deep thinking comes from deep in the night as I process whatever happens to be burdening me. Well, it might be obvious by the title of this week's podcast, Find Awaken to the Value of Conflict, that I've been mulling over this topic of conflict. I'm sure the title wasn't a draw, except maybe out of curiosity about what kind of value has Kathy found in conflict? Well, I'm glad you're here. Many of you, like me, may have experienced conflict over the last several years, especially with COVID and different ideas that emerged. And I think a lot of stuff came to the surface that the Lord has been skimming off. You know, he refines his people. He boils the gold until he can skim off the dross. And when he looks at it, it reflects him. So likely you have conflict in your one beautiful life. Sometimes our conflict is within our own souls. We make a decision to the best of our ability with the wisdom we have and the devil comes around and causes us to doubt ourselves and we become discouraged. We can also leave a gathering and go home and second guess things we've said and feel anxious. Well, God doesn't want those things. God is an encourager. God wants us to trust him even with our missteps. God wants us to be free in our relationships by trusting him. He wants us to serve and trust one another, yes, but we can't put our hope in other people performing perfectly because we are all in process. If we look to others to treat us right, we will be disappointed and even disillusioned. But if we look to God and find our home and our rest in his love for us, we will be free to let others grow and even so into their growing by praying for them. Whenever we stand firm in our identity as sons and daughters of God and not bow to the idols of people's opinions or our own opinions, we gain ground for freedom and wholeness in God's kingdom work and in his holy family. Sometimes we need to combat what the devil does by being more aware of who God is, right? If we are discouraged, we should ask why and consider that it might be enemy activity. Then we can resist him by remembering that God wants us encouraged and to thrive. 
We have a lot to sort out these days, don't we? Conflict swirls around us and shows up in unexpected places like church and family and in our own souls. And this is one reason I think it's important that we see the potential value of conflict. God wants us to capitalize, spiritually speaking, on everything that comes into our lives, both for our own growth and wisdom, but also the growth and wisdom of his church. I love how God gives us double blessings in our trials. We learn, and then we teach or encourage others with what we learn. It's like when Jesus said to Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. And when you turn back, feed my sheep. I love that line because Jesus is confident that Peter's going to get to the other side and he's going to come out of the war with spoils from the battle. In the Old Testament, God intended for the ongoing warfare to keep his people depending on him knowing how to fight their battles in his strength. Unfortunately, they often fell into self-reliance and fear and lost ground by seeking human help, just as we often do. It's no different in our day. We have ongoing battles with our flesh or with other people in the flesh, right? I mean, anytime any of us reacts in the flesh, that is from our sinful, selfish nature, anytime we act in the flesh, we cause some kind of death, a separation, conflict, or pain. It really is up to the spiritually minded person to discern the flesh or enemy activity and to resist it by the spirit. What do I mean by this? I'm going back to Romans 8. We were here before in the podcast earlier this year, and we're going to start right at verse 1. It's titled Life in the Spirit. Paul writes, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life, that's a capital S, Spirit, has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Just a little explanation there. The law, the Ten Commandments, we couldn't keep. Our flesh is too weak. So he sent Jesus so Jesus could die, rise again, send his Spirit in us so that by his power we could obey the law. Verse 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. That's me thinking. (laughs) Me, myself, and I. What do I want? But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. That means we want what God wants. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Who doesn't want that, right? (laughs) For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It's an enemy. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Basically, it says, I want what I want when I want it. (laughs) It's very childish, right? Verse 8 of Romans 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. We need the Holy Spirit in us in order to please God. You, however, believer, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact, The Spirit of God dwells in you. That's that new birth. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life or alive because of righteousness. 
Verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. So we don't live according to the flesh anymore. Our baptism is a symbol of our death to the old life. And now we live the life of the spirit dwelling in us. The next section I'm going to read 12 through 17 uh, is titled Heirs with Christ. Verse 12, so then brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So it's the spirit in us that enables us to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. Verse 14, for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. We're his children. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery... We're talking about being free on this podcast, right? You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Hebrews talks about Jesus suffering in order to learn obedience. And that suffering that he's talking about here is that self-denial, that taking up our cross, that being willing to refrain from sin in order to please the Lord. Do you have conflict in your life? Do you have recurring battles in your life? Look for what God is trying to teach you. He's always giving you something valuable. He is a loving father and he doesn't like strife, but because we live in a sin-saturated world, he wisely uses it all for our good as we grow closer to him and grow to be more like him. So my sisters and brothers, if you are in conflict, do this. In the presence of the Lord, ask yourself questions. What am I afraid of? Because fear doesn't belong in our lives. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. We don't fear death anymore. We are sons and daughters of God. So what am I afraid of? And number two, what does God say about this issue? And then number three, how am I relying on myself instead of him? And this is really what he's trying to uproot in our conflicts and in the challenges that come in our life. He wants to bring it to the surface so we can see it and then break agreement with the lie that we're believing and then walk in the freedom. Jesus is in me. I don't have to prove myself. I don't have to get revenge, whatever it is. We don't need to rely on ourself. We need to rely on the Lord and then the last question in the presence of the Lord that you ask yourself, am I depending on God or other people to meet my need or desire? I guess that's another question too. What am I afraid of? And then what is my desire? What is my need? What is, what is moving me here? And then if you're in a conflict with another person, there are a few questions you can ask. Am I treating the other person with God's love? Are they treating me with God's love? We need to discern how does God see what's happening here and how can I act in line with him and by the spirit put to death the way that I naturally act? And then are my reactions pleasing to God? And are their reactions pleasing to God? Once we discern what's true, what's of the enemy, what's of the flesh and what's of God, then we can stand and we'll be standing in peace because fear and peace 
are the opposite of each other. Generally, our natural flesh in inclination is fight or flight. And those are great indicators of acting in the flesh. We will feel like running away or we will feel like fighting. That's natural. But when we pause in the midst of the conflict, when we ask for wisdom, ask for God to help us see things his way, we can respond according to the spirit. Now, I realize that's ideal. Most of the time when we're (laughs) in a conflict, we're not thinking about pausing and asking God anything. Over time, we'll learn to have our ear bent toward the Holy Spirit, but not naturally. Learning to walk in the Spirit is learned after the fight often, when we assess how our actions lined up with God's will. But at least in our assessment, we are learning, we are growing, we are gaining ground. When we take the time to ask the questions and let the Holy Spirit help us find the answers, When truth comes to the surface, then we've gained another level of victory. We've become more whole, and we're becoming more free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, where He reigns, there is freedom and there is peace. When we recognize our fleshly reactions and when we recognize other people's fleshly reactions, the conflict can stop with us as we resist the enemies of the world, the flesh, and the devil. It's always one of those three things that seeks to divide us. Divide us from God, divide us from peace, divide us from one another. Another helpful tool is asking, what is God's will here? God wants us to fight for reconciliation and peace and unity among our churches and our families and with our own relationship with him. Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So that's a pursuit of unity. The devil wants to divide God wants us united. Jesus says in red letter words in Matthew 18, starting in verse 15, If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Now, other versions say sin against you. I didn't really look at this, but it stops at sins if your brother or sister sins. Uh, But that's a whole other topic is to point out their fault because of love. We don't want one another to be in sin. But if they sin against us, we should go and tell them as well. Because if we let people keep sinning and keep sinning and they're believers, then we're not doing them any favors. Better is an open rebuke than hidden love, Proverbs says. And then we read, backing up a little bit in Matthew, right after the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, You have heard it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who's angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court, and anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. that's some pretty heavy wording right there. But essentially what Jesus is saying is we need to want good for everyone and we can't have bitterness in our heart and we can't let the enemy divide us from people. We can't look down on people. We have got to see everything redemptively. 
Jesus goes on in Matthew 5, 23, Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Go first and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. This implies the value it is to Jesus for us to reconcile with one another. He doesn't even want our gift if we have conflict in our life that's unresolved. He wants us to fight for unity and fight for reconciliation. That's what he came for, is to reconcile us to God. And in so doing, when we're reconciled to God, we reconcile to one another. Hear Jesus' heart here. Essentially, he's saying, fight to stay together, stay united, and love one another. You can read more of Jesus' heart in one of my favorite passages in Scripture, John 17. It's a prayer Jesus prayed right before going to the cross. It's his priority prayer, I believe. Open your Bible, ask him to reveal his heart to you and your own, and to help you discern where the enemy is in the conflicts in your life so that you can resist Satan standing firm in the faith, and then in your victory, you will gain intelligence to help others stand firm in theirs. When we consider this topic of conflict and conflict having value, and we see the way that God uses it, uses conflict to grow us up, we should see conflict within the church or the family or our own souls as a means of advancing God's kingdom rather than slowing down our own. And I think that's why we want to fight or flight, right? Uh, we see conflict as uh, getting in the way, as inhibiting our own freedom. But really, the opposite is true. Whenever we deny ourselves of reacting in the flesh, it will cost us usually our pride, which is a good thing. Dying to self or denying our flesh most often hurts initially, kind of like after a hard workout, our muscles are sore, but we gain much spiritual ground if we're willing to take up our cross and follow Jesus. As Paul said to Titus, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Friends, we are in a war. Don't resent it. Press on and win. Know that you can capitalize on the conflict in your life. God is going to bring good as you look to him. And remember this, the Lord loves you. Jesus died to set you free. He's with you to help you. Do your part of seeking him and he will do his, giving you double blessings through your staying engaged in the true battle. Remember, your warfare is not against flesh and blood, but against a sinister enemy who wants you broken and bound. But greater is he that lives in you than he that's in the world. Jesus has adopted and is intent on making you and your family and your church whole and free. So scoot in close to him now. Listen for his voice. Taste his goodness. Enjoy his love. And I'm praying for you to gain traction in living your one beautiful life, gaining everything he has for you as you trust Jesus on this wilderness journey. I'd love for you to subscribe, share the podcast with your friends, leave a rating, and I will see you back here next week. Thanks for listening.